0: We're living in the age of podcasting, which also means the age of podcast networks with large back catalogs, long-running series, limited programming, and even cross-network collaborations. How are publishers supposed to keep this all organized? With Spreaker, of course. Spreaker's customizable publisher plan lets you organize your content exactly how you want it and gives you enough pod tech tools to monetize the largest back catalogs. If you're into premium offerings for subscribers, check out Spreaker's customized RSS feeds to upload and schedule exclusive content with ease. Or use our campaign manager to manage different campaigns from one central platform. Once your podcast business gets big enough, you can even add multiple networks to one account and collaborators assigned to each one. That helps keep the true crime series away from the comedy podcasts. And make sure you get the advertisements that will resonate the most with your listeners. So let's move from the age of podcasting to the age of the podcast network with Spreaker. Head to Spreaker.com to learn more. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com.
1: To the Port and Firefall Talk Radio, I'm Richard Grund. This is where we're getting back to basics. We're actually doing it. We're getting back to basics. Taking a look at the book of Acts Church, following their example as to how they served the Lord. Digging deeper into Scripture, not watering it down, not filtering it through some man-made humanistic filter and finding the church the Lord intended, not the one man created. The goal of the porch has been to restore the priesthood of the believer and the world-shaking influence the early church had. Church age is still in effect. The day of Pentecost is ongoing. The fire still falls. The porch was created as an outreach of Solomon's Porch, Inc., a Florida non-for-profit, since January of 2000. Go to org to contact us there, or you could just go to com. There's ways to contact us. Also ways to support us there. Thank you to every one of you that do support us. If you're considering it, we just ask that you give as the Lord leads, as the Word inspires. We believe in sowing and reaping, and while there aren't a lot, I do know of some that tend to take more than they give, and sooner or later, the harvest dies out for those. So let's take care of one another. Let's be able to bless one another. Make sure you bookmark the Spreaker site of Firefall Talk Radio, which is Spreaker.com forward slash user forward slash Firefall Talk Radio, all one word, lower case. So welcome to all of our listeners. A new Overwatch was posted this past Saturday called Due West, talking about the recent controversial Change in direction for Kanye West and his um, spiritual enlightenment, causing a lot of talk, and we wanted to address it. Session two of the C conference is done. It's up. It's been uploaded, and the link has been sent out. If you are at the C conference or you are a supporter of Firefall Talk Radio and have not received it, please let us know. Go to firefalltalkradio.com. Use the contact button there and let us know. Hey, I never got the link. Let's keep Israel in our prayers. Israel is engaged in a battle that may lead to a larger war. After being bombarded with all those rockets we've talked about, um, they became proactive in their response, and they struck Iranian military bases and sites entrenched in Syria. And um, those sites were within 50 miles of Israel's border um, around Damascus and the Syrian Golan Heights. I don't really know what your take is, but here's my take. Israel has the right to defend itself, and I am praying for them, but I also understand what this could do in the Middle East, and so we must keep our eyes on that. A lot going on in the world. If I were to cover all those things but now so that we could pray about them, there would be no time to talk about the Word. So we're just going to get right into it, where we do the praise reports and prayer requests. Now, a lot of you do not participate. I really don't know how you feel about it. I've noticed that a lot of people tune in to listen, and then they drop out about this point. Maybe they jump over to the next area. I don't know. But here's why we do praise reports and prayer requests. Ever since we had the home church in Tallahassee, Starting in, um, oh, I think it was 1993 or so, summer of 93, we decided that we would not come into his presence, we would not talk the word until we praised him first, always come into his presence with thanksgiving and praise, and then our prayer request, and then we go into the word. So I praise the Lord for my home, for my wife, for my family, sons, daughter-in-laws, grandson, our furry kids, all the things that he has given to us and blessed us with, which is primarily my family. is a major, major blessing in my life. I praise him for his protection over all of us, for this ministry that he lets me work, for the dreams and the visions and the things I learned in his word even now after all these years. I praise him that his healing virtues are still available to us. They have never stopped. I praise him for the power of praise and I, that means i praise him for everything when my eyes open in the morning my heart is still beating that my lungs work whatever's going on don't focus on what's wrong focus on what's right stop letting the enemy draw you into its own drama production you get up each morning and say no devil no more drama i'm not a part of your drama club anymore so i thank i'm thankful for being a new creation always and for living in these prophetic times. Praise Him for America with all the nonsense and craziness going on, the fact that we can get together every week and do this without fear of recrimination, reprisal, somebody uh, putting us in jail. I mean, right now in China, get ready for this. In China, they're putting fingerprint identifiers to everybody that go into the Christian churches to keep a record of who's going there and what those churches are preaching and teaching, and are they using the China-approved Bible? So be thankful for America. I praise him for the signs that he is getting ready to come back. So let's get ready, and let's praise him for his favor and protection and revelation during those times. My prayer, as I stated, is for the Middle East, for Israel, and the peace of Jerusalem, which of course ultimately means the return of the Prince of Peace. But for now, I pray that He protects Israel from his enemies, and with everything going on, with all of the political upheaval and all the the drama, his eye is never off of Israel. My prayer is for the fatherless, the widows, the innocents, the victims of injustice. So many, so many every day. For our brothers and sisters around the world that are slaughtered and persecuted for their faith for the slaughter of the innocent innocents in and out of the womb. Religious persecution, anti Semitism, oh my goodness, every time I, I look there's a new report of it's on the rise. But the Lord said this would happen. And for the horrific aspect of sex trafficking, human trafficking and the victims of that. I'm praying for divine wholeness and health and continued healing as we get back to our divine design. That is my prayer every day. We're all dealing with something. If you're in perfect, perfect, perfect health, let me know. Praise the Lord. But all of us are dealing with something. But I don't focus on that. I focus on the fact that By his stripes, I've been ultimately healed of the curse of sin and death. And that I know that by his name and by his blood, I can be healed. So I live in expectancy of my healing. So if you're sick right now, if you're injured, you're wounded mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, if you're in need, praise him. Praise him for the fact that he can. Praise him for the fact that he will. And until he does, continue to keep your eyes on him. Stop putting your head down. Stop allowing the enemy to force your eyes away from him. Praying for the protection, inspiration. Uh, You know, I say this every week, but I'm not sure it gets across for the remnant to wake up. I do not believe that the traditional mainstream church is going to change, but it's the remnant those that have been called out, those who have not compromised, those who have come out from amongst them and become separate, that are going to do the job. So I'm praying that they wake up, that they rise up, that we join together in this call to action, that those that have been blessed would be a blessing. We need provision. We need, to, we need the funds to do what we are called to do so that the doors would open to us, whether it's firefall, whether it's the porch or... Uh, SRT or the documentary, whatever it is that we can go out and shine the light, expose the enemy, and set the captives free. So I pray right now for the open conduits of his blessings to fund the dreams and the vision and the mission. Continue to pray for Pastor Shelley as you pray for me and my family. We are uh, praying for divine favor and a positive conclusion to a legal matter that's just gone on way too long. And we pray for, I pray for all of our lost family members. Rhoda in Alabama, Rhoda's a strong supporter of uh, the porch and firefall and very close to us, is having surgery in the morning. So please keep her in your prayers. Last week, I talked about my friend Joel in Brooklyn, New York, who was a key to my early walk with the Lord. Update on his furry family member, Caesar, is on his way to recovery and into more rehab to make his golden years truly golden. So if you prayed, thank you. If you want to help support him, because the costs are astronomical, there is a GoFundMe link on my Facebook page, or if you write to me, you email me, I will send it to you. Peggy in Alabama, another uh, friend and supporter of SRT, and very, very dear to us in our family and uh, team so she wants to share about her friend Diana who has been estranged from her children since a very rough divorce where the children decided to stay with the father, but her prayers have been answered. Diane's prayers have been answered, and both her son and her daughter are visiting her this weekend and ending the estrangement. So praise God for that. Peggy's also asking for prayer for her home to sell and for the home of her dreams to be available to her. Larry in North Florida, my fellow member of SRT and a regular prayer partner, pray for traveling mercies and prayer coverage um, for the Thanksgiving holidays. They are driving from North Florida to North Carolina and then up to Virginia. Stacy in Texas asks for prayer. Please pray for us. It's rough over here. She says, I'm thinking of everyone and praying. She asks for prayer for a horse, Jessie. She's not doing well. She's losing weight again. Kim in Fort Mitchell, I am entirely grateful for the relationship with the Lord, my salvation, my sobriety. Thank you, Father, for turning my life around and for giving, a, giving me a new life. We have recovered from the stomach virus, but now the baby has an ear infection. Please heal him. Father, please forgive me my shortcomings. Help me keep my eyes on you and not on this world. Help me to accept the fact that not everybody wants to give up their old life. Interesting, Kim, because that's going to tie in to what I'm talking about. Lord, there's so much going on in this world, but not everything is my mission. I'm praying for this missing person case in um, Alabama, uh, Anaya Blanchard, um, to come to a conclusion. Lord, your will be done. Father, protect my children, my husband, my mother, my dog Bruno, and the porch families. She says, I'm all over the place here. Well, no, you're doing pretty good, Kim. Lord, I am praying for my friend Stacy and her family as well as for Rhoda, Nicole, and Pastor Shelley. She said, Father, I need you. Help me through this difficult situation at work. Show me what to do. Provide for us, Father, bless us and favor us in Jesus' name. Well, Lord, you know you knew about all these things. I just speak them out because you told us to bring them to you so that we can join in prayer and come into agreement. So right now, we touch and agree on everything that's already been spoken and all the things that are now being brought to mind by the listeners. First of all, we praise you. We thank you. We love you. We boldly approach that throne of grace and mercy, saying, Abba, Father, Papa, God, Daddy. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for your son. We thank you for you paying the price for us so that we could be reconciled to you. We love you. We love you with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, our spirit, and everything that is within us. Heal our hearts. Some of us have been wounded by parents and loved ones. It makes it difficult to love you fully and completely the way we want to. So Holy Spirit, help them. Heal those wounds, close those gaps, and allow them the freedom to love the Father the way he loves them. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the cross but we really, really thank you for the empty tomb in the upper room. You are alive. We know that. You sit at the right hand of the Father. We know that. You are coming back, to judge the living and the dead. And you're coming back for us, and we know that, and we count on it. So thank you. So right now, we want to lock our hearts and our minds upon you. We want the cares of this world to be pushed into the background. We want our spiritual ears open and our eyes enlightened by your word. The Holy Spirit, have your way with us. Do as you will this night on the porch. And I just pray this in Jesus' name, Yeshua HaMashiach, the Messiah. Amen. Lessons are proprietary information, except where noted. The information comes from outside sources. Combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive; cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. So, to give this, um, I don't even want, I don't even know if I should call them Bible studies. It's just us spending time in the Bible. Sometimes there's studies. Sometimes it's me sharing from the heart, but I call this war cry. And it's not really about spiritual warfare, although that comes up. What's been rolling through my spirit and burdening me in prayer is the number of lost people that I know personally, close friends, family members, people that I'm acquainted with, people that believe they know the Lord, but they're not born again. And it has stirred up this war cry, this heart's cry that my brother Larry and I pray about. To be turned loose, to go set the captives free, to open their eyes, to rescue them from the enemy. And so this this Bible study is a war cry. And that war cry is about salvation. That war cry is about the lost. That war cry is about Miracles and healings and restorations and and all these things that, that are so vital. So let me begin to build my case for you in 1 Corinthians 15, starting with verse 15. I'll be reading the amplified version. But I tell you this, brethren, flesh and blood cannot become partakers of eternal salvation and inherit or share in the kingdom of God nor does the perishable, that which is decaying, inherit or share in the imperishable, the immortal. Take notice. I tell you a mystery, a secret truth, an event decreed by the hidden purpose or counsel of God. We shall not all sleep in death, but we shall all be changed, transformed, in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, At the sound of the last trumpet call, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead Messiah will be raised imperishable, free and immune from decay, and we shall be changed, transformed. For this perishable part of us must put on the imperishable nature, and this mortal part of us, this nature that is capable of dying, must put on immortality, freedom from death. And when this perishable puts on the imperishable, and this that was capable of dying puts on freedom from from death, then it shall be fulfilled, the scripture that says, Death is swallowed up, utterly vanquished forever, and in and unto victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Now sin is the sting of death, and sin exercises its power upon the soul through the abuse of the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory, making us conquerors through our Lord Jesus, the Messiah. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be firm, steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, always being superior, excelling, doing more than enough in the service of the Lord, knowing and being continually aware That your labor in the Lord is not futile. It is never wasted or to no purpose. Verse 55, where death is your victory? Where's your sting? Where? Basically what he's saying is death you no longer have the final say. Because the sting of death was sin and the power of the sin was in the law. But thanks to God our Father who gave us the victory through his son our lord yeshua hamashiach jesus the messiah the battle the battle has been won it's no longer in question death has been perfectly subdued and conquered and his saints forever delivered from its power oh a final conquest will come and it, when it's obtained it will disappear forever When the Lord will bear the risen saints to immortality. And the saints will sing their song of triumph. Victory. See, our war cry isn't just for us in our celebration, though we could have one. Our war cry is that we know that it's available. We know that it's possible. We know that it can be obtained because we have it. And for others to have it, too. That victory was prophesied in Isaiah 25, verses 8 and 9. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all the faces. The rebuke of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. And it shall be said in that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him, and he will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Salvation is the greatest victory over the powers of darkness. Salvation is the result of the victory over Hosteton, Satan, and the fallen. That's spiritual warfare. It was also mentioned in Hosea chapter 13. I will ransom them forever from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. O death, I will be your plagues. O grave, I will be your destruction. Pity is hidden from my eyes, meaning pity for death of the grave. The Lord offers no mercy for the powers of darkness. Forgiveness is not theirs. It's not available to them. They are reprobate. They are beyond redemption. So if he offers them no mercy, why should we? Oh, I'm not saying be indifferent. I'm not saying being careless. These entities have power, and, and we know the bigger they are, the more power they have. But the fact is they've been defeated. They are created beings. We are made by the Creator, and the power of the Creator is inside of us through his Holy Spirit. But there should be no apathy or indifference of this. Salvation is a trophy. Freedom was fought for with a price, a bloody price. See, that's always what it was about. The, the Jews and the disciples, they thought it was about kingdom building, kingdom on earth and political power. Some believers still. Still can't get away from politics. Still can't get away from building kingdoms. Still can't get get away from the kingdoms of this world will eventually be the kingdom of our God. What are you fighting for? We were told to go save the lost, the sick, and the dying. Matthew eleven twelve, the Lord says this, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And the violent take it by force. Now, of course, in the natural, he was speaking of John the Baptist's ministries to the crowd in front of them. So, how how we got here to verse 12, we have to back up a little bit. It's easy to pull a scripture out of context without setting it up and establishing it within the context with which it was presented. So let's go to Matthew 11, verse seven. As they departed, Yeshua began to say to the multitudes concerning John, what do you go out in the, into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who wear soft clothing are in the king's house. Well, what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who shall prepare your way before you. Well, he's quoting Malachi 3 1, which says, See, I'm going to send my messenger, and he will clear the way before me. John the Baptist cleared the way for the Lord. Let's go on, verse 11. Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to receive it, he is the Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear it. You know, for many years, I've, I've read the books. I've had people say, oh, before the coming of the Lord, the second coming of the Lord, the spirit of Elijah will come back upon us. It already happened in John. The prophecies of Malachi were fulfilled in John. So Yeshua is honoring John the Baptist as the greatest prophet. He's saying that John is the capstone Of Old Testament revelation, and the one who fulfilled the prophecy in Malachi four verses five and six. Look, I am going to send you the prophet Elijah before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the hearts of the children to the fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. It begins and ends with the Lord, John the Baptist was preparing the way for the Lord. He was making straight the highway for the king. What we do now is we don't straighten that highway. That highway has been cluttered with debris and, and Cadillacs and golds and riches of men that should never have been dabbling in them. The, the The highway to the Lord has been cluttered with the things of this world, with the carcasses of dead ministries, and dead sheep wandered away, and no one cared. And when he said, when the Lord says, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear, what he's saying is, he's speaking figuratively, and he's saying, figure out what I'm saying. And so his disciples asked him, saying, why, why, why do the, in Matthew 17, 10 through 13, why then do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? And Yeshua answered and said to them, Indeed, Elijah is coming first and will restore all things. But I say to you that Elijah has come already. And they did not know him, but did to him whatever they wished. Likewise, the Son of Man is also about to suffer at their hands. Verse 13 of Matthew 17. The disciples understood that he spoke to them of John the Baptist. It's it's all been right there. It's been right out in the open. We're not waiting for Elijah to come back. He already came. And that violence that he's talking about is is the forceful advancing, forcefully advancing. But we have two armies that are advancing, not just one. People are advancing. They're looking for freedom, and they're trying to push their way in. Have you ever seen those uh, videos, those newscasts of of calamities and catastrophes, and people are trying to find cover, and they're they're trying to get in, or people that are hungry, or they, they they're trying to push through; they're, they're desperate. Well, folks, unless you pay attention, you can't see how desperate people really are. The violent that take it by force is also people that violently oppose. The kingdom of darkness, but the kingdom of heaven is also opposed just as violently. The kingdom of the Lord advances, and the attacks against it do too. I remember last week we talked about, you know, what do you believe? Why do you believe it? Because if you have not established that, When calamity comes, when crisis comes, your brain will not function properly. Larry and I were discussing this the other day. We were talking about uh, self-defense and people that train in self-defense or um, whether it's by hand or whether it's by a weapon. And they train in scenarios until it happens, until you are in the midst of real Warfare, Uh, people attacking you, bullets flying by, you really don't know what you're capable of. You really have no clue how you're going to respond. Practice is great. Real world is different. Well, same thing's going to happen when things get worse. What do you believe? Why do you believe it? I read about our brothers and sisters around the world and what's happening to them and what they're being put through. And the ones that will not deny him, the ones that will not recant their faith in the Lord, they know they're going to be murdered. They know that their homes are going to be burned. They know that more than likely people that they love are going to be murdered as well. And you look at their face I've seen the videos of people in the Middle East who are about to be set on fire, about to be hung, about to be tortured, and the smile on their face when they will not recant the Lord, the smile on their face that they know that this suffering is but for a moment. Their eternity is with the Lord. But it has to come down to What do you believe? What do you know inside of you? Go with me to Matthew 16, starting verse 13. Yeshua came into the region of Chesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, Who do you say that the Son of Man is? And they replied, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But you, he asked, Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Yeshua responded, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I also say to you that you are the Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. You are Peter, and on this rock Peter sliver of the bigger rock of the revelation, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will will have been loosed in heaven. And then he gave the disciples orders to tell no one that he was the Messiah. Now, I would have had a hard time with that. Anyway, I would have obeyed him, but I would have had a hard time. But the gates he's mentioning here are symbols of power or authority. The gates of Hades, the gates of hell, the gates of the underworld, symbol of Satan's authority. Cannot withstand the forcefully advancing believers, believers of the Messiah, the Son of God. There's a war going on. He built the church, and the underworld, the powers of darkness, the things that go bump in the night, are fighting against it, but they can't overpower it. But in Mark three twenty-seven, he gave us an interesting key to this warfare in talking about Satan. He had cast out a demon, and the Pharisees said that he cast out demons by the power of Beelzebub, and of course the Lord just kind of mocks them in his response About well, Satan casting out Satan he wouldn't it would it would make no sense for him to do that but mark 3:27 the amplified says but no one can go into the strong man's house and ransack his household goods right and left and seize them as plunder unless he first binds the strong man that he indeed may thoroughly Plunder his house. Basically, saying Satan's not going to bind himself and allow his house to be plundered, which is basically what I did by casting the demon out of this man. So, the strong man's house, which has his goods, Satan is the strong man, the goods are the souls of people. To do that, we must bind that strong man to plunder his goods. So, I don't know if you can see this or not. I don't know if either what I'm saying is too simple or too deep. But the Lord is so brilliant. The subtlety of his warfare with the religious leaders in the kingdom of darkness was that wherever he encountered them, whether in the bodies or souls of the people, whether through overt casting out or whether through a subtle word of setting people free or just the presence and the conviction of the Holy Spirit, his intention and his design was always to enter the strong man's house and take possession of his goods. Every aspect of his ministry was warfare. He didn't have to jump up and down and speak in loud voices or do some of the things I see people do. When you want to lean over, and I have, and say, Demons are not deaf. You don't have to shout. But to spoil the goods of the enemy, to steal their plunder, you have to always be on point and ready for the opportunity. And it doesn't mean that you have to be me or Larry or part of SRT or, or anybody else, but you can be you in whatever aspect or walk of your ministry that you are. And if your war cry is to see your loved ones saved, healed, and delivered, then you are always listening for the commands of the captain of the host. You're always listening for the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Say this. Use this scripture everything is about warfare and winning the souls of the lost and setting the captives free and in plundering the goods the lord was always looking to convert them and then through love they would enter in service to him to be about their father's business so the plunder and the strong man's house very simply, are souls. Everything I do, everything we do with SRT, whether it's about going somewhere and all of the other stuff we do, which we have shot videos up and many of you have seen it, all of that was about shutting things down in an area so that people could be saved, healed, and delivered, starting with the family that we were helping. See, that's what the book of Mark is. The book of Mark is a mosaic of the Lord's ministry as a relentless progression of events that would culminate in the cross. And the stumbling block was to those that believed the Messiah would immediately be a victorious king and the natural, they never understood that the crucifixion, the bloody, brutal, offensive crucifixion Of the Lord, the desecration, the tearing apart of his body, the bleeding of every drop of blood, everything about that was part of the warfare and the fulfillment of the Father's plan. In the cross, he's revealed to be king. In the cross, he's revealed as the Son of God. But in his death, he's proven to be king. In his death and resurrection, a community of faith is born. And the progression of a military campaign takes off. The, the, the wicked, the fallen in this world, their worldly wisdom, they don't get it. They just don't get it. And stop trying to get them to get it. They won't see it until they see him. The, the focus of the enemy's attacks on us are to stop us, A, from believing, and from sharing the gospel, what is the enemy doing worldwide through laws and governments shutting down the sharing of the gospel? If the Bible is of no effect, why are they so afraid of it? If it's just a book and words, why are they so afraid of the power of that book and those words? We cannot be oblivious of these facts. We cannot be oblivious of the danger of this fallen world that we live in. This is not our home. We don't belong here. They know that. And and like I mentioned before, there are some people that just don't want to be free. And they resent the fact that you are. And they resent the fact that your life has changed and that you're different. I was talking to somebody recently, I don't remember who it was, and we, we... I compared it to you suddenly save up enough money and you are blessed enough to get this really nice car, let's say a Cadillac, and you pull into your driveway. And your neighbor, who's been your friend all these years, he resents the fact that you now have that driveway and you've made his car look bad. He may not tell you that, but people do that. People feel that way. Salvation. It's interesting how... You'll have one of two responses from people in bondage. They'll either want what you have or it will annoy them so badly that they don't have it. They'll want you to get as far away from them as possible. But you cannot wander in this fallen world oblivious to what's going on around you. Most of the prayer requests I hear, not just here on Wednesday nights, but through emails and in talking to people, are the end result of wandering around obliviously in a fallen world in which there's an enemy who seeks to destroy us. That's why Paul taught about in Ephesians 6, starting verse 10, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Well, there it starts. You're strong in the Lord and you're strong in his power, not yours. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand against Stand firm against all the strategies of the devil, all the schemes, all the machinations, all the clever things. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor, put on the whole armor of God, so that you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. And then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For your shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these things, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery... Darts, the fire arrows of the evil one. Remember, these darts are arrows that are, the tips are wrapped in leather, dipped in oil, set on fire to come at you and destroy you. Put on salvation as your helmet. Keep that mind protected and take the sword of the Spirit, the double-edged sword of the Word, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit at all times and every occasion. Verse 18, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Persistence in your prayer is part of the problem I see in the body. After all these years of doing it, the ineffectiveness in spiritual warfare comes from an inability to be persistent. High highs and low lows. You'll pray great for a day or two a week, maybe a month, and you think, wow, it's real good. I got the enemy backed off, so I'm just going to relax. And the minute you relax, that warfare comes in hard and fast and hot. There is no downtime, folks. There is none. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. We don't use fleshly techniques. For our weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. For pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Messiah. And being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. What is that saying? The saying the warfare is where? It's in your mind. It's all around you, but it starts in your mind. Paul used military metaphors a lot to describe the Christian life. And when he says flesh, he doesn't mean theologically, he means physiologically, referring to the natural human abilities. We walk like natural people physically, but our warfare is conducted in the realm of the spirit, not with swords or guns. So if you see somebody running around waving a sword saying they're fighting demons, hold the chuckle and move on. Our warfare is not fleshly weapons. The supernatural weapons, it's praise, it's tongues, it's speaking the word. That whole armor of God, truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation, the word of God, prayer. Always ending in prayer, starting in prayer, ending in prayer. For some reason, we've been tricked into thinking we can do all this work through great organizations or Christian entertainment, or humanistic wisdom and philosophies and techniques, beautiful facilities, a glamorous advertising—we we have fallen prey to a deceiving spirit that has taken away the simplicity of the gospel and the act that it's all, the fact that it's all the act and actions of the Holy Spirit. Carnal techniques will not defeat a supernatural enemy. That's why the Lord didn't provide them to us. That's why you don't see them mentioned by the disciples in any of the letters or the books of the Bible. And when people rely upon natural things in a supernatural war, I can pretty much tell you they will eventually be defeated. Even if they seem impressive on the outside, they will be defeated. They are defeated. They are no longer a threat to the enemy. And in places that have tried to start out supernaturally and then get into the naturally, the carnage, the end result of that is so upsetting to watch. So we need to be clear on how we're fighting. We need to be clear on who we're fighting. Stop, stop using your natural eyes. And seeing things according to outward appearance. Oh my goodness, they have thousands upon thousands in their congregation, in their building, in their arena. Okay, so wow, there must really be a wave of salvations and revival in that city, right? Well, no, those are pretty much transferred saints. Very few people go to the front to get saved. Well, how does that work? Is is that victory? Or we just penned up the sheep? My, my frustration after all these years, first of all, is in myself as a baby believer and thinking that some of the things I saw were not only effective but were from God, and they were not. They were ineffective, and they were from man-made traditions and and meetings. And Well, this person says if we don't spend X number of dollars on advertising, we're never going to grow. Remember the first time I heard that in a board meeting? I just went, huh? What? So, of course, the Lord told me somewhere in the budget, that, and I spoke up, and the old-timers that sat on the board, you could see their head drop, or you could hear them groan. I was just foolish enough to believe that the Holy Spirit was the power and that the Bible was the way and that all these other things were just man-made techniques that would eventually fail. First Peter 5, starting verse 8. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion. As my grandson Jason would do, his roaring lion is, for someone to devour, standing firm against him. Resist him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering You are. The Amplified amplified, takes it a little further. Be balanced, temperate, sober of mind. Be vigilant and cautious at all times. For that enemy of yours, the devil, roams around like a roaring lion in fierce hunger, seeking someone to seize upon and devour. Withstand him. Be firm in faith against his onset. Rooted, established, strong, immovable, determined knowing that the same identical sufferings are appointed to your brotherhood, the whole body of Messiah, the whole body of believers throughout the world. Peter wrote that 30 years after the death, resurrection, and ascension of the Lord. Unless something has changed since then, that threat is still there. The resistance began in Genesis, well, it began with the fallen heaven, but our recorded resistance began in Genesis, it will end in Revelation. And until it ends, we are caught up in this war. You're not going to escape this war. You're either going to be a conqueror or you're going to be conquered. You're either going to be a victim or a victor. You have to decide. Remember I said that about the drama. Stop participating in the drama that the enemy creates for you. If you see a pattern in your life of nonstop conflict and drama everywhere you go, doesn't matter what town you live in, doesn't matter what job you have, doesn't matter who you're with, doesn't matter what, what, who you fellowship with, if you see a pattern in your life of nonstop drama, stop blaming the enemy and start figuring out how did you join his drama club. Tear up your membership card. when the when the enmity that was placed between us and satan in genesis 3 satan and his angels against us those the followers of the lord when that began the warfare began genesis 6 humanity consorted with the enemy literally consorted themselves with the enemy and subjected themselves to the rule of the fallen and eventually their demonic offspring the military campaign to destroy us began, but so did the covert resistance that the Lord was preparing for us. A large-scale, lengthy military campaign, strategies, things like the armies of Rome did, slaughtering. I mean, the enemy is an exact mirror and parallel to every conquering army ever. I'm here to help you. I want to give you more food. And to do that, we have to take their food and give it to you but then they won't have any food that's not your problem we've been in a campaign that's been conducted overtly covertly and we don't seem to understand we seem to think oh wow we have our guy in the president now presidency and then the white house it's all good well no it's not. The other side doesn't want that and they don't want change and they don't want their pockets not to be filled with a lot of money and they don't want to give up the free plane rides and the all the things that go with it so they're gonna stop that and oh no, you're not putting me in jail and exposing my crimes. Yeah, that's why I don't I don't fret. And I don't really pray a lot about it, although I do. But the Lord spoke to me this morning and said focus on the eternal. Focus on what is important. People come and go. Policies come and go. Man is always a part of his own problem. Focus on me and the mission at hand. We're in a campaign. We're in a military campaign. You know, in military campaigns will you have Uh, forces and authorities and conflicts and you have all of these end games and all the stuff that's going on. You have have battles and sieges which are actually parts of the larger campaign. We've been doing that throughout history. From the beginning of the church to now and until the final coming. But we must start to look at everything supernaturally and react accordingly. Your daily war cry should be the prayer for the lost, the prayer for your lost loved ones. Get your eyes off yourself. Stop stop approaching, well, Lord, I need this, and Lord, I need that. No, please do this for me. Take your eyes off you and put them on others. If they die in their sin, if they die without him, they have an eternity of torment. We have to see everything Supernaturally. So this military campaign that we've been pulled into, we joined it actually. Phase one of the final campaign was the birth of Messiah. Phase two was the crucifixion. Major battle took place on Calvary. And the third and final phase of the final campaign began right after that. The Holy Spirit filled the upper room and filled the church in 33 A.D. and the Book of Acts Church was born. That's the battle. We're in the final phase. We're in the final campaign. We are preparing for that moment. We're We're not winning anything. It's already been won. But we have an enemy that refuses to submit. We have an enemy that won't admit that they lost, although I never Never cease to remind them of that. But they're going to resist. We're not fighting to win. We're fighting to enforce a victory that's already been won. And we're fighting to save and set the captives free. You know, you look in these foreign countries, you look in Africa and the Middle East, Africa especially, Boko Haram, where they go into a village of Christians and they take them captive and they, they do what they do to them. Sometimes they set them free, sometimes the military. That's an example of the enemy. Little terrorist groups, a bunch of losers, filled with spirits, bloodlust, perverse, disgusting many of whom are reprobate and will never see salvation, will only see destruction. But we have to be confident in who we are. 1 John 5, verses 4 and 5, Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. And who is he that overcomes the world? But he who believes that Yeshua is the Son of God. And that's why the wicked, that's why the fallen, that's why the worldly wisdom attacks that foundational life. They don't want people to believe that. They don't want people to know that they're free. But since we've been raised into a new life with Messiah, we have to set our eyes on the realities of heaven where Messiah sits in the place of honor at the Father's right hand. We must think about the things of heaven and not the things of this earth. For we died to this life, and our real life is hidden in Messiah in God. And when Messiah, who is our life, is revealed to the whole world, we will share in that glory, whether we're here or we're we coming with him. So if you've been raised, if, big if, if you've been raised to a new life with Messiah, none of what I'm telling you, if you haven't, it doesn't matter. But if if you have, then you know, you already know that you're in a war. You've experienced it. I've got just a little more here, but I'm going to pick it up next time. I think this is an important topic as we close out this year to understand what's coming in 2020. I want to pray. Because I know a lot of you are struggling with what I'm saying. Richard, I know what you're telling me is true because I know it's in the Word and I see it in your life, but I don't see it in mine. Well, Father, I'm going to ask right now for my brothers and sisters that feel that way. That through your Holy Spirit, you begin to reveal to them why if victory is sure because of the cross, why is there no victory in their life? Show them, show them where they've fallen victim to the lie. Show them where the enemy has tricked them into accepting things into their life, or show them where their mindset and their thoughts are off pattern, off the slightly off frequency with you the hearing to broadcast. Help them to get completely locked on your channel. I pray for the hearts that are hurting. They may even have unforgiveness in them. I pray that they would forgive and release. And Lord, I pray for each and every one of us that we would have relief, relief through your blessings, through miracles, through provisions, that we would have relief and then we can have release to go do what you called us to do without the constraints and worries of this world without these things hanging on us and hanging over us tell us what to do lord guide us through your holy spirit but give us that rumble in our hearts and our soul give us that war cry for our lost lost loved ones not to just shotgun a prayer saying oh lord save them but to make our hands prepared to war and bring them clasped together in prayer and war for their soul. You told me that when I was just born again, the people were interceding for me that didn't even know who I was along with the ones that had, and it was a hellacious warfare, but you had already declared the victory, and it was won. I pray that for my brothers and sisters and family members out there. Lord, speak to us and touch us hear our cry in Yeshua's name. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grunn. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio. When you're a pro, you got to do a little bit of everything. A little. A little. And even a little. And it helps to have something that works as hard as you do. That's why Valspar has a paint for every job, every room, every time. Valspar. You make it happen. We make it possible. Pros, head to Lowe's today
0: and talk to a pro rep about getting up to 10 free gallons of Valspar through our paint trial program. Exclusions apply. See ValsparPro.com for details.